Everybody's kind of nicely getting quiet on their own, so I'll go ahead and seize, seize that opportunity. Excellent. Well, I'm glad to see a few more people here than just my family. That's kind of it's kind of the way I envisioned the morning going, but. Um, so for anybody who doesn't know, my name is Matt Emery, and uh, Pastor has me leading the Bible study today uh, in part because I'm enrolled in a program called uh, FMP, which is Specific Ministry Pastor. So um, I am not yet a vicar. I'm kind of a, I don't know, vicar-elect, something like this. I go to orientation uh, next weekend, and uh, Pastor Tanetti and Pastor Newton and I are going to take a road trip. Uh, it's probably going to be epic. And uh, <clears throat> no motorcycles, but yeah, it, it could be like wild hogs. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but that's where uh, my orientation will begin for uh, the program. Uh, and then I think after that, technically, I will be considered a vicar. So uh, today's a, really a first opportunity, I guess, for me to um, be able to um, teach in a way, and I, I hope that that will be the Lord working through me as his instrument and building up through all of us as the body of Christ. Um, so if you would please uh, begin with prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, you are the creator of all life. Um, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Shed your light on our hearts this morning. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and mouths to speak. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. So, part of my plan this morning, um, I knew I would be covering Genesis chapters 22 through 29, which was the, if you're following the Dwell Richly initiative, okay, uh, those were the chapters that were assigned. But that's a lot of ground to cover. There's, there's so much material in Genesis that you just have to pick something. And so the more I thought about it, I just went with the Dwell Richly initiative at its core, in this process of Lectio Divina or divine reading, right? So I literally took to the instructions, and the first part of that is to read a scripture passage deliberately, noting any word of Christ, okay? Um, a verse, a phrase, or even single word that especially grabs your attention. You're going to want to remember that phrase, grabs your attention, so my passage is Genesis 24, 2 to 9. Does anybody have a Bible? Chip, can I get you to read? So uh, 
Genesis 24, 2 to 9? Yes. All right. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman, perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, See, see to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take your wife from my, from my son from there. Okay, that's good. Reading through there. So, <clears throat> the next part um, is meditating. So, the instruction being to dwell upon this word, pondering how God addresses you personally through it. So, when I meditated on this text, um, these are the thoughts that occurred to me. Who is this servant? Okay, it says, And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, um, who had charge of all that he had. You know, this is the guy who puts his th hand under his thigh and swears by the Lord um, in this, you know, quest to get a, a wife for Isaac. <clears throat> and who's the servant, and why did he put his hand under Abraham's thigh? Okay, so this is kind of a, an interesting ritual, if you will, um, but there's a lot to it. Um, Chip, I know I've listened to some of the campfire sessions that you had, and one of them recently, I think, with Chad Bird, you kind of touched on this area, this region, and there's, there's quite a bit of debate over what exactly this is, you know, what part of the body. So um, it also comes up when Jacob wrestles with the Lord. You know, it mentions touching the hip, but it's not necessarily just the hip, right, Chip? So... <clears throat> Let's, I, so that we dwell on the right part of this, I, don't, I, I need you to kind of think about it physically. There is a physical aspect to this, okay? But I also need you to discern it spiritually. Um, so we're going we're gonna to know that it's in a certain region of, this, of Abraham's body that's being touched, okay? Um, and that it is generative in nature or regenerative in nature. Um, <clears throat> the other theme I think that's going to come out today is, is going to be the word intimation, which I had to look up. But it's the action of making something known in an indirect way. And I think intimation <coughs> is what is at work in this um, servant who puts his hand under the thigh of Abraham. Okay? <clears throat> so the servant just the basics of him. It's uh, Eliezer of Damascus. Um, his name means God is my help. And it was a common practice in the day for a childless couple, which they were, Abraham was at this time, um, to adopt 
a servant as an heir uh, to take the place of a firstborn son. Um, the region of the body that we're dealing with, you may liken to a certain word um, that is also regenerative um, that people will call testes, okay? But I want you to think of it in terms of the definition that I think is correct biblically, which is a witness, okay? So there's a witness. You'll hear it in a court setting like, I'm going to testify about something, to swear to it, all right? So <clears throat> those, that type of thinking all is, should be in your mind as we move forward about this. Um, so there's a lot of debate about what exactly his hand may have been upon, um, and that I don't think we need to dwell on. It's, it's, it's clear that it's something generative. We're in the book of Genesis here. Um, so keep those themes coming along. Um, the next part is praying about it. And this was my prayer. Uh, the, the instructions in, in the Lectio Divina were to, having been spoken to by God through his word, respond to him in prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. So my prayer was this. Father in heaven, this practice is a mystery to me. Why do we not observe it today? But you inspired these words to remain from so long ago until this very day. Why, Lord? If it be your will, give me wisdom to hear and eyes to see the truth in your word. In Jesus' name. <clears throat> and in terms of prayer, when we're going through the... Um, divine reading in this way, I think there are two things that we're taught to remember in, in Mark chapter 11. Um, one is, whatever you ask, believe that you received it, and it will be yours. And the other thing is um, to forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your Father in heaven may forgive you and your trespasses. So those are two elements um, that we are to keep in mind when praying. <clears throat> All right, so on your sheet, um, going to number four, put the word of Christ to the test. Remember, we kind of discussing test, testimony, witness, all right, which is what I think we're doing today. Um, <clears throat> knowing that it will return to you, be tested by Satan and the world and sinful nature. So putting it to the test, I found a connection with Hebrews chapter 7. Hans, do you have a Bible? All right. So if you have a Bible with you, turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 7. And Hans, I would like you to just read uh, verses 4 to 10. Yes. Four to ten. Mm hmm See how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of his spoils. And those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have the commandment a commandment in the law to take uh, tithes from the people, that is from their brothers. Though these men are that. Though these also are descendants from Abraham. 
But this man does not have a descendant uh, from them receiving tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promise. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one whom it is testified that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself, who received tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestors when Melchizedek met him. All right, so does anybody see the connection here? Or any connections? What, what types of connections might you see between this and what is going on with this oath between Abraham and his servant? Anybody see any similarities? He's talking about the loin again. <laughs> right? So we have that part of the body, yes? So a physical attribute. Yeah, it's a good question. I do think in, as we go through this more, it might become evident how a future servant through Abraham would come to, to uh, be the blessing there. But yes, and there's this concept here that I have pondered for many, many years. And, and it's this concept that the writer of Hebrews says one might even say that Levi himself, and again, Levi now is a descendant of Abraham, one of the 12 tribes. Um, <clears throat> who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham. So crediting Levi, who would come along later with paying tithes through Abraham. How is this? going to be and why why is it even possible for someone who is still in the loins of his ancestor uh, to do this so it's i think it's an illusion in a way to christ being from eternity he's the one he's the alpha and the omega okay um, that concept of someone being able to be in in both past and future needs to be part of the discussion here. And kind of going back to the physical aspect of this and this particular in the loins of an ancestor, um, I think there needs to be an understanding about stones, okay? And if you go to Deuteronomy t uh, 23, Sam, this, this was foreordained. You're going to read this passage. Go to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 23, verse 1. Uh, chapter 23, verse 1. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that's all you have to read. He that was wounded in the stones, or half his private member 
All right, thank you, Sam. <laughs> so this is an obscure passage, right? Um, but we're dealing with the same region of the body. And again, we need to discern this spiritually. Um, <clears throat> so if you go to Isaiah chapter 51, I, um, Abraham, I actually go to... Does anybody have Isaiah 51, Hans? Can you get that? Yeah, see if you can grab that. Uh, Just start reading. I'll see if it makes sense. (laughs) I'm looking for the part where he mentions the rock from which you were hewn. Yeah, so I need you to keep this picture in your mind. Stones has a purpose. It has a biblical meaning. Uh, It relates back to Abraham and the promise, and it relates to his descendants, okay? And if you go to the account of John the Baptist, um, which is Matthew chapter 3, Nine. Does anybody else want to read? Esther, do you have it? Matthew chapter 3, verse, uh, cha- yeah, verse Esther, were you looking, or did I not catch you? No, okay, she did. You have it? Okay, go ahead. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Right. So, again, there's an allusion to stones and the children of Abraham um, being raised up. There's also um, a discussion here. Um, Chapter Genesis, chapter thirty-two. Hans, you have that. Um, 32.10, right around there. Jacob crosses the Jordan with only a staff.
uh, steadfast love of the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For only my staff and I crossed the Jordan. Now I have become two camps. Okay. So two camps. Um, and this concept of two is something that we're going to have to carry forward in the conversation, okay? In particular, two later becoming one, which is similar to, in Genesis, the one flesh union, okay? <clears throat> so keep those concepts in mind. Um, <clears throat> and that was my first discussion question here that's listed. How can this be? How can you say to Levi, a man yet unborn, that he paid tithes through Abraham? Um, <clears throat> So the second discussion point um, that I wanted to come up, well, okay, first of all, yeah, we need to go to um, the thought here that I had, which is printed in your, in your sheet, um, is that the mystery of God, there's two, two mysteries mentioned in scripture. One is the mystery of God, and what is the other one? It's the mystery of the gospel. Okay, so two mysteries. Also, again, two. We want to keep that in mind. Um, and my, my thoughts for the discussion, you know, going through the, uh, the divine reading process, was that there's a mystery of God being revealed to us through human history. As believers, our bodies, uh, though perishable in the flesh through the fall, have a purpose which is timeless and ordained by God. This purpose is passed along through gen the generations bearing fruit unto God. Like trees in and out of season, we've been shown by example of our ancestors with some being good. Um, and that kind of that those that are good are nourishing and they pass that on uh, to future generations. Um, but some are also bad, and this is what we have going on in Genesis, too, where we see, um, you know, Jacob I love, but Esau I hated. And that's, that's always a hard thing for us to discern. It's like, how can God, you know, love one and hate another? And, and God is love. So I think that always sets up a tension in our hearts as Christians um, for how that could be. Um, and that took me, in my study... To reading um, Romans chapter 9. So if you have um, a Bible there and you want to read along in, in Romans 9. <clears throat> uh, and this again, you know, the, we're dealing in Genesis with the Canaanites, which are a continual source of, of trouble. Um, and that's, that's something we need to keep in mind. It's kind of these two... Yes, Anne. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt. I didn't mean to. Um, <laughs> do, okay. Um, am I tracking correctly in saying that how we, how we can say that Levi paid tithes through Abraham is that he continued to carry out the promise through uh, raising up sons and teaching those children and so on to fulfill the blessing that was given to Abraham 
So it's just sort of a, uh, I don't want to say pay it forward, but is that how we're supposed to be understanding it? I think, yeah, it's part of the understanding. And I think the understanding comes from something even bigger than Levi being you know, imposed. That, right. that part of what God has created in us is, is from eternity. You know, that, that's what we begin to re learn in the gospel message is that you know, we weren't just called in, in this time. We were called you know, before creation, that this was part of the plan all along. So, yeah, it's, it's, I think there's a sense of, of time that is, is only understood spiritually uh, in God. That there is, if you, want, if you only can focus on it in a, in a here and now spiritual way, it, it seems like it's a puzzle, right? It doesn't make any sense. It would be a stumbling stone for you if you don't understand what's going on, right? So I guess I'll try and leave it there, and if it's still a question when we're done, we'll, we'll come back. So in Romans 9, <clears throat> um, Paul starts this way. He says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. But it is not as though the word of God has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. And he quotes, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. <clears throat> For this is what the promise said. About this time next year I will return and Sarah shall have a son. And not only so, but when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our father, forefather Isaac, Though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I love, but Esau I hated. He goes on to say, what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. Um, you will say to me then, why does he still find fault? Who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to the molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? Again, considering two things here. 
Two stones. <clears throat> what if God, desiring to show his wrath and make his power known, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory? Even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. As indeed he says in Hosea, those who are not my people, I will call my people. And her who has not believed, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there, they, um, there they will be called the sons of the living God. So... <clears throat> Looking up vessel, Paul uses vessel here. Um, there's, there's this, um, the word, uh, it means a vessel, an implement, an equipment, or apparatus. Um, and in the definition for it, it says specific, specifically a wife as contributing to the usefulness of the husband. Goods, sale, stuff, vessel. Those are all parts of the kind of etymology of, of the, that word. <clears throat> so going on to my second discussion point, I asked the question, um, is the same principle working in Hebrews 7, paying tithes through an ancestor, um, concerning Levi at work here in this hard question regarding Esau? Um, and I also came to words from the prophet Malachi, who's kind of troubling uh, of a similar question that Paul relates to in Romans 9. Uh, in Malachi, we read, uh, he says, I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord. Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. I have laid waste to his hill country and left his heritage to jackals in the desert. If Edom says we are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins, the Lord of hosts says they may re rebuild, but I will tear down. And they will be called wicked country and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. Your own eyes shall see this and you shall say, great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. So again, this is kind of a hard word to discern, right? That, that God is um, determined to have two purposes um, going on. So this question, how have you loved us? God declares, is not Esau Jacob's brother? The question that comes to me as I discern this, again, this is, I need you to understand, this is all coming back as my study when I went through these passages, you know, using this method that, that uh, we're kind of following here <clears throat> as a church. So the question to me was, are there, are there two seeds? Uh, one may be ungodly, the other godly. Um, Genesis 3.15 talks about thy seed and her seed. We can also remember from the parables, there's wheat and there's tares, things that look different, but one is good and for food and the other's a weed, right? <clears throat> and if you look at seed, um, this word, again, if you get to the etymology of it, it's figuratively things that come to mind, fruit, plants, sowing time, a child, fruitful, seed, <clears throat> sewing. So all those things keep in mind as we as we go forward here. 
Um, yeah. So what's the problem that you're trying to solve here? Is why do bad things happen? And is God allowing them or creating them to happen? Is that the question? Like, yeah. The, the two things are good and bad, and sort of says that God like created the bad. Like He rose, raised up the Pharaoh. He, mm -hmm. saying like, is God creating good and bad so that His promise can be fulfilled? Yeah. Exactly. That, that's, that's a problem. Yeah. Sure. Exactly. Yep. And so, like an easy question for your first Bible study. Yeah, I know. There's nothing. Yeah, this is like <laughs> this is like one of the hardest questions of all of Scripture. So. Yeah. Well, it, and again, I'm. I think that's part of the beauty of this process and dwell richly and going through this is that I'm just being honest about the questions that came to my mind. Sure. And I think they're questions that all of us share. And, and it's not that, uh, I think if there's an answer that's going to come to us about these things, it comes through the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, to gain that understanding <coughs> and that wisdom is why we study the Bible. It's why we do this. And I think the beauty of it today in this setting, too, is that the body is here. The body is present. You know, we have each other to hear this word and then see what it does to your heart. How does it convict you? What kind of questions does it bring into your mind? And, uh, you know, hopefully before we're done, we wrap this back to, to where we are in Christ and how that, that is our good understanding, right? Hans? Yes? Uh, this is sort of reminds me of... An earlier story in the Bible of Cain and Abel. Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's the same story again. Yeah, and it, it repeats uh, how many times, you know. Uh, yes, Anne. Yeah, I mean, the story of the, the theme of the two brothers is just, I mean, it's the more you, you read Genesis, you're like, wow, this really is part of all of Scripture. And then Jesus tells the story about the two brothers. Yeah. Okay, so you have those two seeds. Two seeds. And both, if both are planted, then one is weed and one is tear. So, yeah, it's yeah. all over Scripture. Yep. So, yep. And so we keep going. And, and at this point, I go back to Genesis 3.15. Um, uh, who's got a... Pat, you, are you quick to get that? Right. And so who is it that is putting the enmity in between? God. Yeah, he's putting it there. Um, and again, the, the, the thing that he's putting it between is his seed and her seed. Two seeds, again. Um, so at this point... There's another element to this that, that I want you to consider. We have these seeds. We know the anatomy of that. <clears throat> but there's also something that we rely on and, and is throughout Scripture. Um, and that is the heart. Right? Um, if you go to Genesis chapter 6, verse 5... 
it says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. Okay? <clears throat> so that, that same evil and heart is this thing that's being put between the two seeds uh, in Genesis 3.15. Okay? <clears throat> <laughs> What's that? Oh, yeah. All right. So, and my other, my notes went on here to say just to to consider in relation to sin that it really isn't the offense itself that demands our focus. Rather, it's the sense of whom we've def- we have offended. Okay. Um, if we read on in Romans and go to chapter nine thirty three. Um, we find that Jesus is the rock, again, think stone, the rock of offense for those who do not pursue righteousness by faith. But at the same time, yet whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So Jesus as the rock, the one that we put our faith in, can serve two purposes for those who reject him, it will lead to their destruction. Those who accept him by faith will lead to eternal life and righteousness, okay? <clears throat> so, um, as I was going through this process um, and kind of studying, writing notes, um, and I had prayed about this, and the next morning, um, I, I was actually awakened at about 1.55 in the morning. And for, for whatever reason, two scriptures came into my mind. And um, one of them was 2 Peter chapter 3. <clears throat> and, and I think what was on my heart when this came about was, how do, we, how do we get the answers to these difficult questions? And 2 Peter 3 says, uh, this is now the second letter I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior, Savior through the apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that when the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. So again, we're back, we're back in Genesis. <clears throat> but by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise at some count slow, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should reach repentance." But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, 
And when the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Um, since all these things are the, thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt away as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent and be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in terms of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, and this really related back to me with Paul's prior, prior words, right? Um, <clears throat> which ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. Therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the air of lawless people and those and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. <clears throat> so with that understanding, I really, it comforted me in the sense that there are mysteries. There, there are things that are difficult to understand as we process, and especially going through Genesis. Um, there's, it's a bloody book. There, there's... You know, we actually have the people of God, you know, purging through, through, you know, death and destruction, other people that are created also in God's image. And that's hard to reconcile. Um, but there is a purpose for that. And it's God's divine purpose. Um, and that we have to trust in him through faith for where this, this plan is ultimately going. <clears throat> so the next scripture that came to uh, my mind in the morning here at about uh, between the hours of 2 and, and 4 a.m. was this. Uh, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. He knows everything. Beloved, if <clears throat> our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, <clears throat> because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. So here we have two things together as one, abiding. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. <clears throat> so, from here, um, I read, I wrote this note. It says, the mystery of God is within our body, made in his image, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit made manifest. Um, and I read also from Ezekiel chapter 20, um, which says, As a pleasing aroma, I will accept you when I bring you out from the peoples and gather you out of the countries where you've been scattered, 
and I will manifest my holiness among you in the sight of nations. Um, and that took me to Ephesians 2, which says, Therefore remember that, you, that at one time you, Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what was called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, touching, oath, swearing, testament, witness. Okay, all those words should kind of come back to you as we're reading this. <clears throat> Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. So this is kind of speaking, again, these were people that were outside the covenant. Uh, maybe the people who had, Abraham's time were going to be driven out. <clears throat> Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, who you once were far off um, and have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man. I think that's important. These, are, these two things come together in one new man. Um, <clears throat> in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. <clears throat> so it is through Christ that these two households have been reconciled. <clears throat> um, and he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens uh, with saints and members also good, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a place, uh, a dwelling place for God uh, by the Spirit. And so... <clears throat> Through Christ as the cornerstone, you start to see something coming together, right? It's a structure being joined together. And if you kind of let your mind dwell into this reproductive, this generative type of thinking, what, what starts to emerge? What does anybody see? This whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. Yeah. I'm just thinking the body of Christ. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking something that died 
raised from the dead. I'm thinking, you know, um, I, I didn't go back into it much, but um, there is a discussion to be had about stones <clears throat> also in, um, in Joshua. Um, <clears throat> but well, I'll see if I need to get to that. But yeah, that, that's what I'm seeing also, is that this, this joining together into a holy temple of the Lord, in him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. And this is, <clears throat> this is the thing that um, changes also that, you know, in Abraham's time and later David, um, you know, there's an earthly temple. And that's kind of this place where man comes to dwell with God, right? Is, is in this earthly temple. <clears throat> but the temple is destroyed after Christ, right? And so what, what is the new place where there's a temple? Yeah. And our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so... I think of it, too, in terms of parenting and raising children, that um, in our bodies today, we still have this ability to regenerate. We can regenerate in the flesh. But that flesh, we know by itself, it will go to destruction, right? Something has to raise it from the dead. And that something is Christ. And that is what we, we find in baptism. Um, <clears throat> so God has this just miraculous picture of, of <clears throat> two becoming one flesh, um, which, again, creates man. But the two becoming together in the spirit is goes to eternal life so you have kind of the the imagery of marriage one flesh union offspring and this is all recreated um, in this spiritual way um, through god um, and that is of course <clears throat> when we think about how christ came into the world what what was circumvented the man Right? Yeah. Uh, he, that's, that's how the Holy Spirit conceives Christ in Mary, right? Um, so man was circumvented in that. And who was it that was in his place then? God, right? And how is that possible? There was something in God. There was something in God before all creation that was there. Um, so go to John chapter 1. Oh, we must be getting about time, right? <clears throat> yeah, I'll leave it there. Uh, does anybody have John 1? Yes, Anne. Got it? Uh, just at the beginning? Yeah. All right. In the 
was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Okay, that's good. I, that's the, I think, illusion that that carries forward through with Hebrews and with Romans is this, this concept, and, you know, Levi paying the tithe, it's this concept that Jesus was in God before all eternity. Um, and when Christ is within us, we are that new creation from all eternity in the same way. That is how God came to man. Um, And I'm just going to close. I appreciate everybody being patient and uh, going along here. But I met with Bob Newton to get some source material when I was researching this. And, of course, he has a great library and and Luther's works. Um, And Luther writes this... um, He says, therefore, the simple, true, and inconvertible meaning is this. Listen, Abraham, I have given you and your descendants grand promises, but this is not yet enough. I shall distinguish you also with a blessing that will overflow to all the families of the earth. Abraham understood this promise well, for he reasoned thus. If all the families of the earth are to be blessed through me, then of necessity... This blessing must not depend on my person, for I shall not live till then. Furthermore, I am not blessed through myself, but through the mercy of God, the blessing has come to me too. Therefore, all nations will not be blessed because of my person or through my power, but from my posterity there will be born one who is blessed in his own person and who will bring a blessing so long and wide that it will reach all of the families of the earth. He must necessarily be God and not a human being, although he will be a human being and will take on our flesh so that he is truly my seed. So Luther gets it. Luther, <laughs> Luther nailed it, right? I'm going to leave it there unless anybody has anything else. So uh, let's, let's close with prayer if you would. Heavenly Father, um, thank you for this wonderful time. To be together as the body of Christ, um, to have your spirit dwelling with us, to give us that wisdom and understanding that only you can provide. Um, May it give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. I don't know how to turn this on. <laughs> Unlucky. <laughs>